City Church podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, Pastor Joel Littlefield is preaching from Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, and the message is called, Blessed Are the Meek. We hope you are blessed by the message today. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, join me in prayer. Father, thank you for a day, another day to be together as your people, the family of God gathered to sing, to acknowledge your lordship, and that the gospel is truly the only way to salvation. Christ crucified for sinners, risen again from the dead, ascended to the Father, and Lord, you're coming again. And so we thank you, God, for the truth. Today, we pray that we would be Um, All of us submitted, surrendered wholeheartedly to your truth today. Break through rebellious, stony hearts. Cut through um, any deception, Lord, that has been fed to us about how we are to think and live and, and behave in this world as Christians or even as people, as humans. Lord, I pray you'd reveal to us by your word today who you are, a greater sense of Christ the Lord Jesus, who you are, and change us by that truth, Lord. Change us, God, as we confront, are, are confronted by the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, be our teacher and do what only you can do. In Christ's name, amen. Blessed are the meek is the topic for today. And if you're new with us, we've been working through the Beatitudes one line at a time, and I believe that it's been a blessing. It's been extremely convicting to me to really just hone in on each of these, take our time through them, and this should be no different. In fact, I, I, expect, I expect that there will be conviction today from the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm, not gonna try, I'm not trying to coerce that, but I do believe, I do pray for convictional messages. I believe conviction is a gift from the Lord to be convicted of our sin, and then to, what to do next is so, so important, though. So what do we do after conviction? We run to Christ. We know the truth about what to do. So we're gonna ask the Lord, we have asked the Lord to wash that over us. So blessed are the meek. Meekness is different than poverty of spirit and mourning over our sin. It is, though the other two are very much centered around God's work in our inner man, the meekness is the first one that we're confronted with that really addresses our behavior to other people and how we live and how we act and how we speak to our loved ones, to our neighbors, to people that we, we meet, to perfect strangers, how we respond to our spouses, how we handle difficult situations, how we handle chaos and opposition All of this stuff is a test for us. It really, really is, and I think that'll be made clear. The Greek word that's translated into our English word meek is very difficult to just uh, pin down with one English word. The the Greek word is vast, and so some of the things that it might portray is 
this attitude of gentleness, humility, so being humble. Power that is properly controlled is another way that meekness is portrayed in the scripture. So something with great, great power and ability to wield that power, but under control, that's meekness. So maybe already just think about yourself. Are you consider yourself a pretty powerful person with a lot of ability, maybe a lot of training? You could be extremely successful and powerful and dominating if you just used all of your ability and power and strength and skill. Well, do you have meekness? Because that meekness would bring that power under control. Lowliness of heart, a heart that is humble, not just a humble behavior, but the inner man is humble. The way you see people, you're not dominating. You lower yourself, humble yourself before others and before God. And so we can see already that this is a kingdom attitude. It's not something that we can simply possess in our own strength. It's not something that any of us naturally desire. If we're honest, we don't desire meekness. It's something we have to learn and if we do desire it, it's a gift from God. It's something that Christ has implanted. It's a, it's a new desire for the new creation in Christ. So this is a kingdom attitude. It's given as part of the new nature in Christ, just as all of these others are part of a kingdom attitude. Being poor in spirit is something that we recognize by the grace of God. He gives us eyes to see spiritually that we have nothing so that we realize our salvation is not of our own doing, but it's all of God. We are Weak, poor, we have nothing to bring. He saves us by his grace. Same idea with mourning. It's a, it's a kingdom attitude. We mourn our sin because we understand the absolute atrocity that it is before God. How horrible and wretched our sin is before a holy God. So we mourn that sin, but the mourners find comfort in Christ. And those who are poor in spirit, well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek now, for they shall inherit the earth. But it's, it's not the, the way of the sin nature. So think about these things for a moment. The sin nature really only wants to control other people. The sin nature wants control over others. So think about your relationships right now, the ones that are most valuable to you. I think this is where we should start. Think about the most valuable relationships that right now you are a part of probably family, spouses, children, right? Maybe workplaces. Maybe you have some influence there. But the sin nature wants to control other people. We want to be the boss. We want to dominate. The sin nature sees what it wants and gets it through force of will, the show of power and skill and domination. That's the sin nature the sin nature sees what it wants and seeks to get it through force of will. Maybe this week you can already pinpoint areas where you need to repent and turn from wickedness. Where in a relationship that God has gifted you with, instead of meekness, you showed a force of your own will. Uh, a force of power. Not power under control. But you sought to get what you want. The flesh, think about this one, the flesh, the sin nature is unbending to the will of God and stubborn to the word of God. Where the word of God could say something so clear and plain to us as Christians, it is the sin nature, the flesh, that doesn't bend to God's will, but we seek to either bend God's will to ours or we just stay completely stubborn and it affects all the relationships around us. Our children, our marriages, our families, our neighborhoods could be suffering because of our lack of meekness and that our sin, our flesh is unbending. Are you unbending to the word of God? All of you hear me, please listen. Don't let the world or anybody sitting next to you distract you. Guys, this is an important message. Are you unbending to the will of, and the word of God? Just so you know, the will of God is delivered through the word of God. If we want to know the will of God, we go to the word of God. It is his word, it's his holy word. He tells us and speaks to us very clearly through his word. Maybe you don't go to his word, so you don't know his will. You don't go to his word. But if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, then we should be living by his word. 
completely dependent upon his word for all that we need, everything that we need. So are we unbending to that? When you're confronted with truth, do you say, no, no, I, I've got this. I know, my, I know what I want. It's not the way of Christ. Most of our new nature qualities that are ours in Christ are still qualities and attitudes that need mastering. So even as a Christian, as a new creation in Christ, you might say, well, I know I want meekness, but I'm certainly not where I want to be. And so you still struggle with it, and that's okay. Like We understand that this is a, a growing process as well. So if you're a man or a woman of, in Christ, or a child of God of any age, and you are still struggling with this idea of meekness, it's okay. We're going we're gonna to talk about that today. Where do we look? How do we grow in this? But I think it's first good to acknowledge that these qualities that are ours, we need to work at them. We should be disciplined. So you might ask, if I'm a Christian, then why do I still get raging angry and sin against others with my anger? I would ask for a show of hands, but it might embarrass everybody. How many of you have gotten angry and sinned in your anger this week? Yeah, you can raise your hand. I did too. You sinned in your anger. What's with that, right? Just think about that for a moment. Why? Why do Christians, why do we do that? I think it's evident that we still have a lot of work to do, and Christ is working on our hearts. The word of God transforming us, it's a process. It's sanctification. We still need renewing of our mind. The mind needs to be renewed because we still revert back to all that we used to do. How did we handle situations before we were in Christ? We dealt with it with our own way. And so our anger often gets us into so much. And I hope, I hope in the, for all of you who have raised your hands that you also had a moment of humility and repentance too. Even if it was the, the next day, we all process things a little differently. I hope, and if you haven't not, then to, if you haven't yet, today's the day. That's a sin worth mourning. Who have you affected? Who have, how, what, what is the condition of our own heart when we are angry and sinning? We are not pleasing to Christ. At least part of that answer of why a Christian would continue in that just one scenario of being angry and sinning in our anger, why is that? I think part of that answer, and maybe the most important part of the answer, is our proximity to Jesus Christ. In our walk as a Christian, what is your proximity to Christ? Now, Christians know that we are people of faith. Your proximity to Jesus is all about faith. It's believing who he is and what he has done. If, so if I say to you, or if you were to say to a, a non-believer or an unregenerate person, well, I'm really close to Jesus, they might be looking like, well, how? I, I, didn't he live 2,000 years ago? So we understand that this is an issue of faith. You walk with Christ by faith. We see by faith. We believe in the finished work of Jesus and that the real man, Jesus Christ, lived and walked on this earth, claimed to be God, and by his death, burial, and resurrection, he proved that he is the eternal God ever present through his Holy Spirit. He gives us his Holy Spirit. We have, we have the means by which we see and walk and live by faith, and we walk close to Jesus, but you may not be walking very close to him. I would encourage you and challenge you to just ask yourself that question. What is my proximity to Jesus? By faith, am I walking with him or am I distant from him? Putting faith in Christ for salvation is only the beginning of a lifelong walk with Jesus. The whole life, that's what the Christian life is, is walking with him, being his disciple. And what we have all found, and some maybe are finding right now in this very moment, is that when we are not in step with Jesus Christ, we do not have meekness at all. When we do not walk in step. Now, that's the language of Scripture. I'm trying to connect some dots now. We're going to look over at another passage. But think about that. That's the language that, Christ, that the Scriptures use, walking in step with Christ. Walking in step 
with the Holy Spirit. And if we do not walk in step with Christ, then we will not have meekness in those moments where we know we desperately need it. So what we have instead of meekness in those moments is what Galatians calls the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh, and they are wretched, wicked behaviors. Absolutely unpleasing to the Lord. Let's look at them. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. I'll give you a second to turn over there. Galatians 5. We'll start in verse 16, and we'll read this whole passage right to, the, right to verse 26, actually. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the, thing, the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Notice this one. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. These are the works of the flesh. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we say we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Did you spot the similarity between that text and the beatitude that we're studying? Meekness and the desire of the flesh, the work of the flesh that opposes meekness and self-control. It was right there. Meekness is also the word is gentleness. It's a fruit of the spirit. Did you see the reference to inheritance even in the text of Galatians? What did it say? Those who do these things will not Inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It has everything to do with kingdom possession. Who we are. Who, are we citizens of heaven or are we citizens of this world only? Notice verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So what is this? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit of God? It's a life of faith in Jesus Christ. That's walking in step with the Spirit. It's a life of faith in Christ. It's understanding that the Christ of the Bible did suffer and die, was crucified, he was buried, laid three days in a grave, rose again, ascended to the Father, but he made promises before he did all of that. His promise is that I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you without my presence. I will go, but it's better for me to go. I'm gonna send you my spirit. So what do we need to see the Holy Spirit as? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. We should also, we should be remembering that when we think of the Trinity, it's often we, we separate, right, because they are three persons. We believe that, Father, Son, and Spirit, but they are one. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. He sent us his Spirit so that we could walk with him. So that these questions of how do I walk in step with the Spirit, we have an immediate answer. We do that by faith in Christ. And by faith in Christ, he gives us his Spirit. And by his Spirit, he gives us the ability to understand his word and to walk with him. It's right there. To walk with him, to walk in step with him. 
How does one walk in step with the Spirit? By walking in step with Christ. By knowing Christ's will, his words, his way, his heart. Who is he? The text tells us that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits at least, is gentleness. Isn't that a convicting thing? I, I, it's probably not the most manly qualification that some might put in their own resume as you're filling out an application for some job at a construction site. Guys, well, what's your qualities? I'm pretty gentle. I'm a gentle guy. Well, you're not getting hired here. <laughs> Imagine at BIW, you guys that work at the yard, if you were just known for gentleness. Well, somebody might walk all over you, but let me, now I really want you to think like the Spirit of God would want you to think. What would a gentle, meek, Christ-like attitude do everywhere we are, men or women? If we would have the attitude in the mind of Christ. We know for a fact that meekness, according to the scriptures, since Jesus teaches on it, is not talking about a weak disposition. We're not talking about somebody who is walked over. We're talking about somebody who's in control. Self-control has the ability to get revenge. Has the ability to snap and maybe make a fool out of somebody. But you're under control. We need meekness. We need gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. At the end of the text that we just read, he says, if we live with the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become, and look at these, conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. How often is that the, the attitude of our heart? To provoke other people. What's the part of us that wants to provoke? It's not the Spirit of God. It's the flesh that wants to provoke, provoke one another to anger. Fathers, we know that this is a specific command given to fathers. Don't provoke your children to anger. That's a, that's a, a humbling command. Don't provoke. And that happens sometimes by our very words, by our ignoring of our children. There are things that we do that provoke our children to anger. And that's a command of Christ. Don't provoke. Maybe you're a child in the room, a teenager, you're, you're younger, and you think, well, I've been provoked. <laughs> and that's, that's all their fault. That's why I'm, I'm the way I am, because it's my parents' fault. They keep provoking me to anger. Well, you're not off the hook either, right? So we're all on the hook here that we need to walk, we need to look to Christ. If your parents at any time are not showing the, the attitude of Christ, well, what do we do? We look, we look to Christ. You, teenagers, young people, you look to Jesus. If your parents fail you, that's a normal thing. Parents will fail. I'm sorry, it's just going to happen. And all parents in the room, they say, well, I, I try to walk with Jesus, but I get angry sometimes. Hopefully, parents, we know how to apologize and repent in front of our children and say, I'm sorry, that anger was wrong. My anger turned to sin. Here's where I was right. Here's where I went wrong. Will you forgive me? But the point of all that is to say each of us looking to the ultimate example of power and meekness all in one, that's Jesus Christ. And that's why this beatitude becomes a real hard reality because a quick look in the mirror of the word of God and what do you see this morning? What do we see? If you were to look as the mirror is, the word of God is described as a mirror in James. We look in the mirror, what do we see? And then when you see the mess on your face, then what do you do? Do you walk away and ignore? No, no human being does that. You go look in the mirror and you got guacamole. I don't know why I chose guacamole. I do like guacamole. But if it's on your face and you see it in the mirror, what, what fool walks away and doesn't fix it? Right? That's just really, oh, <laughs> that's good. You just, you just go about your day. My wife will tell me later, but I would rather fix it before she does. Because she might start pulling on something else. <laughs> but think about it. That's the word of God. It's so clear. Isn't it a great example? We look into the mirror of God's word. What are you seeing when it comes to examining your own life and are you meek and gentle? Or are you controlled by anger and revenge and envy and jealousy and strife provoking one another? 
If that's what you see in the mirror, then today we fix this by looking to Christ. We repent of our sin and we begin to walk daily, walking in obedience to the word of God. And what that means is perhaps it means daily, sometimes twice a day, three repentance, turning from that sin, desperately asking the Lord to pour his spirit over us because it is a spirit of gentleness. When we look into the word of God as a mirror, we see our tendencies to sin against God and others in the absence of Christ's meekness. When we are not walking in the meekness of Christ, we sin against God and we sin against others. We see anger, we see stubbornness, pride, and jealousy. So so where do we turn? This is where it gets good. There's a great turning point here. Because we have Christ Jesus. We have Jesus. We have the hope of the gospel. We're not left to be just rotting and stewing in our sins. We have the, the perfect forgiveness, the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ who stood in our place and was punished for all of that sin. He dealt with it at the cross. And so the one who was broken over that sin, go, sin you go to Christ who was crucified, who was, stood in your place, you understand his forgiveness and you walk in, you begin to walk obediently. And he gives us the grace to do that. But sin, sin like this is heavy. So we need someone to lift the burden. And that's where we turn to the text that was read a moment ago. Look over at a math, Matthew 11. beginning of verse 28. Such an amazing text. There's some unique things about this, and some of you have read the book, and uh, maybe you haven't. We have copies here if you want it. It's a book called Gentle and Lowly, and the author wrote the book from the premise that Jesus, the one time that he gives a self-description of his character, this is it right here. Now, we have other I am statements. I am the door. I am the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said that about himself. But when it comes to his character and who he is, this is the one time. I mean, one, this, these are the words he chose. Look at this. Matthew 11, beginning in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I want you to, we want to, we want to approach that text, that scripture, that truth of words that actually came out of the Lord Jesus' mouth to tell us what he is like when a sinner like you and I are heavy laden and burdened with sins when we're heavy and heavy laden and burdened with, with our own struggle, because that's heavy. And so Jesus says, all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, I will give you rest, for the one you come to is gentle, and he's lowly of heart. And admit it or not, that is exactly what we need. We need that. We need someone who sees a sinner like Jesus, who will welcome us into his presence, deal with the sin swiftly and perfectly, but also not cast us aside. He sees us in, our, in, in the burden of our life. He sees it, and, and he welcomes us to come to him, for he is gentle. So you see his invitation. I want you to, I want you to see it as an invitation. It's an invitation to walk in step with Jesus Christ. You seeing that? How the, the language that Jesus is using allows us to see this is about walking with him. It's not just about casting a burden at him, but it's about a life of obedience that he's inviting you to. The, the life that has burdens lifted from it is the life that is yoked with Jesus. What in the world is a yoke for? It's not for just standing there. It's not about a life of stagnancy. It's a life of walking in step with Jesus Christ. 
being yoked to him. What else is the analogy for? Take my yoke upon you. We know ancient in ancient days, yokes were used a lot more. If you've ever visited Lancaster, no, they hate it when you say it, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. If you've ever visited Lancaster, you see yokes. You see oxen. You see them, they got teams of horses. We don't see it around here very much. Anybody use a yoke on your property? Not for your children, for your animals, yeah. We don't see it very much. It would underst- they would understand it in this day. The yoke was a very specific tool. And who you put under the yoke, which two beasts of burden you put under that yoke together mattered. Jesus saying the right, what he's saying is the right combination for our life is Jesus and you. Yoked with Jesus Christ. Walking with him. And it's not just you walking with him. It's a promise that he walks with you. That he is the burden bearer. Now, we understand that the yoke is still there, so I, we could not say that to walk, walk with Jesus is a burdenless life. That's not what this is saying. So do you have burdens? And will you continue to bear burdens as a Christian? In almost every sphere of your life, there's going to be struggle still. The question of the matter is, are you yoked with Christ, and is, do you see him by faith as the burden bearer with you? That the greatest burden of sin has been dealt with. The greatest burden of separation from God, unforgiveness, the judgment that we deserve from God for our sin, that all gets lifted. That's, the gr- that's what we need lifted. What, what we have coming to us and owing to us because of our sin, Jesus lifts that, yokes up with us, and walks with us. And by faith, we walk with him. It's an invitation. Come, come, walk with me. It's about close proximity. Remember the question? Are you in close proximity with him? That's the analogy you can use, one that Jesus himself gave. Are you walking close enough where Christ himself could say, I'm yoked with this guy. I'm yoked with this woman. We are walking together. The life that you are leading is not led by yourself or in your own strength, but fully leaning on the grace of Christ. It's an invitation to walk closely, not far off. You can't be yoked to Jesus if you're far from him. So now I want you to just examine some of the disciplines in your life for a moment. Do you lack meekness, and is there life full of anger? Is there strife and provoking all the time? Or is there gentleness, humility, and patience in our lives and in our home? I know if you're a Christian, you desire those things. You want that. You want a home that has peace in it. Humility, gentleness, but it's not going to come overnight. So the question is, is are you disciplined? Are you disciplining yourself to then walk with Jesus so that he, his spirit of meekness, begins to wash over you? Isn't that amazing? When you walk with somebody really close, you start to learn from them. You do. You have friends like that. You have people that you've looked up to. That is what discipleship ultimately looks like. If you want to grow and you want to be discipled, find somebody who can disciple you that you need to learn from and you begin to walk with them and they begin to pour into you. You even just notice things about their life, how they handle situations, how they parent their children. Do they get angry when this happens? How come I get get angry? They don't. Don't get mad at them for not getting angry, right? Ask God for the grace that they have found in Jesus, that Christ would wash that over you. to be yoked to him. The description that he gives of himself, it really should jump off the page. I just want to notice it for a moment again. He says, I am gentle, I am lowly in heart. Just meditate on that for a little bit. What does that mean? For Christ to say that to you in his invitation, come to me. What do you need? So we're invited into his presence. This does not negate the true the truth that's revealed to us about Christ's judgment and that he is also the judge of the world but this is a specific invitation for the humble in heart the context of this is about the unrepentant cities that wouldn't repent and you come Jesus comparing like if you would repent turn from your sin and then he says this is, it is just so you have the context. Think about it. I says, I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for 
than for you and for Capernaum. And then he says in verse 24, but I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So all this is what's being laid out. Verse 25, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them unto little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. What is the context of this? Christ's redeeming work. The redeeming work of being drawn to the Father, drawn to the Son. It's a team effort. So, you know, the Father and the Son both do some drawing in this. And so does the Holy Spirit. And in that redemptive process, the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. And you begin to realize, this is a heavy burden. My life is in trouble because I have a burden. What is the burden? It's sin. And what do I need to do with it? I need to go to Jesus. Uh, That's the answer. I pray that maybe in this moment, in this this day, this week, there will be repentance. If you need to and you have not repented of sin, you've not acknowledged that Christ Jesus is the burden lifter and that the problem of your life, the deepest problem, is the sins that you've committed against God that have separated you from him, then you need to do that. That is the next step for the one who is heavy laden with sin is to turn to Jesus. It could be a fearful thing for you. You might be thinking, well, why would I do that? I've got so much other things to live for. I just want to ask you, really? Is that really working out well for you? When Christ is true freedom, when Jesus Christ is God in human flesh that came to save the world from sin and death, death is a reality. And so we look to Jesus in this gentle and lowly Savior. This is not weakness talking. This is ultimate power. The only Savior who can lift the burden of sin. If the yoke that you carry is hard and your burden is heavy, come to Jesus. It's a simple assessment. (laughs) A lot of us would find ourselves in that category of, I just... I need to go to Jesus today. I need to be continually doing this. But believers in Christ who are walking in close proximity with Jesus, though there are great burdens, you've seen these, you've seen it. We witness this in our church. Let me just remind you, there are great burdens upon people's lives right now in our church family. And some of you, you know this because you're carrying those burdens But though the burdens of life continue because of sin and death and chaos and decay and bodies that just break apart, and so it's physical issues, health issues, loss, deep burden. All of that stuff exists. That doesn't go away. But those people are walking with Christ. And the greatest burden has been lifted. So what happens? They still have peace. They still have peace. And hopefully that's what we all desire. We see a second invitation in that Matthew 11 text, and it's an invitation to learn from him. To learn from him. Let's just look at it and get our eyes on it again. Verse 28, come to me all who, are la- who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What happens when we learn this kind of meekness? Because Jesus just said, I am gentle. Learn from me. I am gentle and lowly. What do you think he wants us to learn? Isn't that interesting? In the same sentence, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. One of the first things I think a Christian will learn, one of the first things that begins to change in a person as they're being sanctified is that gentleness and humility of heart. It's the one characteristic of Jesus that he mentions in this context. Come, learn from me. I am gentle. So what does it look like to learn His meekness, this powerful self-control, this submissiveness to the will of the Father. What does that look like in your life? Well, I think ultimately it takes us to the second part of the beatitude that we're learning. Blessed are the meek, for they 
will inherit the earth. And so we begin to look square in the eye the real lesson of this paradox that to be meek is to be an inheritor of the earth. And that is not the way the sinful flesh or the world would ever seek to inherit anything is through meekness. It would be the opposite. It'd be through power and control and domination, not humility, pride, assertion of the will. So ultimately what happens when we learn from him is we, we conquer the world. That's how I want us to see this. We should see it this way. When we are meek, you begin to conquer things in your life. And I'm not, this isn't like some weird little pep talk. I don't mean like, you know, you slay your giants and you conquer your Goliaths. I mean really like you conquer real issues in your life and you begin to take ownership as though you have been given by Christ an inheritance that is eternal. And part of that, it's the people around us. It's our relationships. It's our home. Those areas that we desperately want there to be victory and conquering. The promise is that the meek in Christ are blessed. We're the most happy people. We're blessed people. And inherit the earth. So that's the paradox. Choose meekness and let God take care of you. Choose meekness and let God... Because that's ultimately what's happening. The meek who inherit the earth are those who understand that God is the one who gives and takes away. It is God who blesses. It is God who provides. It's God who has vengeance. It is God who will ultimately judge sin. You don't have to. You don't have to be in control. You can't. So think about the, the, just the mindset of conquering and inheriting the earth. The, the general view that you begin to see about everything. Not a, a crushed spirit, but one that says, I'm in Christ. He's in me and I'm in him. I inherit the earth. This is, this is all mine. In fact, this earth that will one day be made new into a new heavens and new earth, we get that too. It's about a victorious life, trusting in the sovereignty of Christ, the sovereignty of God, and, and not trying to take it into our own hands. To be confident in our eternal inheritance through Christ is the only way we can let go of control and revenge and spite and bitterness. Think of that challenge we put forth. How, how many of us have been angry this week? How many of us have been bitter this week in a way that led to sin? Bitterness is a sin. Anger leads to bitterness. Unforgiveness, all of that. And it's just a slippery slope. It just, it just rots. And we all have dealt with it. But when we become confident in our inter- eternal inheritance through Christ, we begin to see that he is in control, that he has it all. We don't have to be vengeful and spiteful and bitter. Now, here's the thing. Meekness will always look like defeat at first. We'll always feel that way at first. That's why it's a kingdom attitude. It's not like the world. Our first response usually Well, for me anyway. It's usually my second response that's usually more godly. Like my flesh comes out first. (laughs) And then I think, what does Christ want? What is the will of God? I need to be gentle here. I need meekness. I need self-control and love. Meekness will always seem like defeat, not only to us, but to the world. There are situations right now where if you were to go this week and choose meekness, where you would generally choose anger, sin, bitterness, wrath, watch what happens. Watch what happens in those situations. And so I just want to challenge you guys. Let's be people who are meek. Meek with Christ's meekness. 
transformed by being yoked with him, seeing, learning from him. How many conversations this week would not have gone the way they did if we were meek? So we have the answers right here in scripture. Isn't the word of God so good? God's word is so good. But it's gonna seem like defeat to the world and to the carnal, but it is the meek who truly overcome. So if I were to say, how, what's our plan to conquer the world? Christians, what's the plan for the church to conquer the world? Well, it's not like Islam. The Christian way is, it's not like any other way. It's gonna be to choose the way of Christ. Because we have a faith That to others, to many, it seems like a blind faith. What are you trusting in? What are you believing in? But by faith, Christ says that by faith we see more than those who saw him by, with their eyes. Amen. We see more. Don't be fooled by the world. You see more. You get more vision by faith in Christ than if you were to transport back 2,000 years and walk the earth with Jesus. You see more through his revealed word and the spirit of God who dwells in you, who shows you and teaches you daily what Christ is like and who he is. So I'll leave you with this challenge. How is the spirit of God challenging you right now with the meekness of Jesus Christ? How is he challenging you? And let it sink in. Take it as a a challenge from God's word. That there, there does need to be change. And that's for the Christian Right For the Christians in the room, the believers, seek the Lord about that. And then lean on a brother or sister and tell them, hey, here's an area where I, I, I need growth. I want growth. Will you help me in this? Keep me accountable here. Walk with me. Let's pray about this. Spouses, pray together. Pray together about the meekness that you need to work with each other and walk with each other and love each other and be patient with each other. Pray for that. But ultimately... I just want to see a move of God's spirit in our church in all of these beatitudes, all of them. It is the meek who inherit the earth. So however the Lord is challenging you with that, then our response today is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will walk in repentance. I will, I don't want this bitterness anymore. I don't want anger. I don't want this. I want the spirit of Christ and the spirit of meekness. That is the truth of God's word. Amen, church? All right, let's pray. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. We'll have a couple songs of worship. We're gonna have an awesome afternoon to be more in fellowship. I would encourage you guys to be aware of this text and what we've learned. And the, the potluck conversations don't need to all be about the great food. It's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing food. It's gonna be difficult. But see what happens if you guys bring up this, some of this in conversation with brothers and sisters. Hey, what did you think of the message? Hey, what are you growing in? How has the Lord challenged you? How can I pray for you about this right now? Let's see what the Lord would do with that as we fellowship intentionally around these things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the preciousness of your word. That truth, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And however this is pressing against the flesh, the carnal, remaining carnality that still needs to be sanctified. We are believers in Christ. We trust you, Lord, and we know that we are new creatures. We are saints, but Lord, we still struggle, and the only biblical answer for that is that we still need sanctification by the Spirit. We need the truth. As Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So let today's truth be part of that work sanctifying, transforming, renewing our minds. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive the one who has continually and constantly walked not in close proximity yoked to you, but pushing in rebellion. Forgive, Lord, the rebellious Christian, the one who has been distant. Lord, draw them into your, into your presence, Lord. Remind them of your faithfulness and your deep, deep love for them. I pray for the 
the, the ones in this room, Lord, maybe who have been walking patiently with those who have been angry. I pray for the teenagers in the room, the, the children, Lord, who are oftentimes witness to adult Christians making poor choices. God, give wisdom in those homes, in our homes. Teach us as parents, Lord. Show us how to be meek. Show us how to be truthful. And Lord, give children the grace to see you and what is truly right and glorious to see your character. And change them, Lord. Change our children into your image. That is our goal, Lord, to be ultimately be transformed into the image of Christ daily. By your word, as your word washes over us, transform us by the renewing of, your, of our minds, Lord. And I pray for the one that is here that is outside of the kingdom of Christ because there is no faith in Christ, only faith in what is right before their very eyes. Only faith in what is now. Only, only faith, only trust in what is pleasing. Only trust in what can gratify in the next moment. Or maybe a fear that if they let go, if they trust you now fully and, and finally, maybe you can't actually do what you say you can do. But Lord, I pray that the testimony of changed lives that you truly do redeem and transform, God, that people would just humble themselves before you and say, God, please take my life. Consecrate it. Change me. Save me. You are the Redeemer. You are the Savior. Only one died for sin. Only one was risen from the grave. So save souls by your Spirit today. May there be some who cry out to you in repentance and just say, I believe you, Lord. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died in my place taking all the wrath of God for my sin. Change me and transform me. Make me renewed. God, just do the work. Do the work that only you can do. So we submit this to you, Lord. Let your word be hidden deep into our hearts. May we see transformation. May we see fellowship, Lord, that is intentional and fruitful. Thank you for a beautiful day ahead of us. I pray you'd be glorified. Help us now as we sing in response. May these songs be a response to your amazing, wonderful grace and your meekness and kindness that draws us to repentance. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen, amen. Let's stand together, church. Let's sing. Let's respond to the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more messages from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next week.